Well, good evening. It is great to be with you all again, and I'm just thankful to be here with you. My family says hello. Uh, we had a uh, get together at our house after service this morning with the congregation, and I left them cleaning and use this as an excuse not to have to help. No, um, but they are busy putting the house together, and, and uh, I came down here, and I'm thankful for their support of me to do that up there while I'm down here, and I'm thankful for your all support. Uh, I know I say it every time, but you don't know how much uh, you guys comfort me and strengthen me, and the support that you guys give me monthly uh, is such an encouragement, and it, it lets me have a peace of mind that uh, I, I know that the Lord's providing through you all and through the church at Lake Street, and, and it just it makes this work easier uh, because I know that the things are met that need to be met. So thank you. You know, just tonight, as I think about this lesson, I really have two lessons that I want to talk to you about tonight. So I'm going to try to keep it to a normal amount of time. But, but without being with you, I really don't want to do the first half without touching on the second half a little bit. And at home, I got two Sundays to do it, but tonight I get tonight. So, so I'm going to try to build this in such a way that it, that it, gets through to the point all the way to the end without uh, losing the middle of it. But I sent, when Adam reached out, and I appreciate you all and, and your, your billboard that you put up there with the title on it, and I know I just sent him, Rise Up, O Men of God. And, and what I want to talk about really is, there's going to be different times in this lesson when you hear me talking directly to the men of this congregation. And there's going to be times when you hear me say, Men, and I mean mankind, as in women and men of this congregation. So, so discern with me as we go through this some, but, but this really is going to be parts of it, a call to the men of this group, just as I gave this call to the men of the group of Lake Street. But God is placed within our hearts, our hands, and our, our soul of men incredible power to either heal or hurt, to build up or tear down, to comfort or crush, and to serve or enslave. And throughout history, we can see glaring examples of both extremes of this. But when men decide to do something, something generally happens. You know, when men finally get up and get going, things will take place. You know, and in Ezekiel's day, society was facing a crisis, crisis, and the Lord looked for a man to stand in the gap and make a difference. But there were none to be found. In Ezekiel 22, starting at verse 24, we're going to read 24 through 30. There it says, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. There's a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things and have made many widows in the midst of her. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane, and they have not taught the differences between the unclean and the clean, and they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. Her princes within her are like wolves tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. Her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies for them. Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken, the people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery, and they have wronged the poor and needy and have oppressed the sojourners without justice. 
I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Well, we read on and we see that it takes about a hundred years after Ezekiel spoke these words from God that the protective wall surrounding Jerusalem from her enemies was down. And the wall had been down for almost that enti- an entire century since the exiles had returned. And because of the breach in this wall, the enemies had come and went at will in the city. And the glory of the Lord became clouded by the tragedies and the turmoils and the seeming triumph of the enemy at this time. But then one day, one man took action, and his name was Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, because he heard the call of God and was willing to step up into the troubled city and rally the people, the city and its inhabitants were blessed. And the wall that had been down for almost a hundred years was rebuilt in 52 days. But what we have to think about this and what we have to consider in this as we think about this is the fact that what started Nehemiah's desire to do this was that he had heard about the state of the city and he wept. Oh man, have we thought about the states of our family sometimes or the states of this church and have we wept about it sometimes? Have we thought, is it going how it should be? Is it going like the Lord would want it to and let it bother us to the core that it's caused us to take action like Nehemiah? And I would suggest we need to stand up. We need to take action and we need to rebuild and stand in that gap. Well, not only may it apply to that situation, but I'll tell you another situation that it applies to. The walls are down today in America. The enemy has made its gaps away into the walls of our families. And men, are we standing up in those gaps and saying, no, we're not going to let this take place? Or are we resting peacefully in our house, thinking that if nothing's done, nothing will happen and no action will be okay? But I'm telling you, you're losing ground if you're not standing up. You know, we've had a great, I I mentioned this this morning at Lake Street, and I think it's a wonderful thing. I am excited that Roe versus Wade got overturned, and I'm not going to go into polit- politics here. But, you know, that doesn't end abortion. But it says federally it has. But the encouraging thing is as soon as that was said, 15 states in our country have already banned it. That's worth rejoicing for. And there's more that will follow. And there's always going to be people that won't do what God wants us to do. And there will still be abortion in this country. But there's a glimmer of hope in that aspect of this country that the unborn lives are being protected. Well, that's a gap that needed filled. And we need to rise up and we need to talk about it. We need to speak about it. You know, we need to tell our kids about it, fathers. We need to explain what's going on there. And it will be age appropriate, you know, but, but it needs to be known. There, there are things going on in this world that we need to stand in the gap as husbands and fathers 
Well, we've got to get up and get going. You know, ideally here, you know, they were looking for a man to stand in the gap. And unfortunately, this is one of the areas that the gap is wide open today. You, you say the word men, and sometimes that comes with the ideal of uh, images of, or it should come with the ideal of strength and courage, integrity and valor and character and commitment. You know, and those models as we were children might date me here a little bit, but that would have been people like John Wayne in the Moses of the Ten Commandment movie, Martin Luther King, Sir Lancelot, and even for those movie people, Indiana Jones. They were masculine. They were, they were standing in the gap, and they were willing to take care and do what needed to be done. But today, our, our pathetic and feeble, appalling image of men are Harry Styles in a skirt on the front of magazines. But are we standing in the gap when we see those kind of things and telling our kids those are wrong and explaining to them why? You know, we were made in the image of God, Genesis 1, both male and female. We need to think about those things. Well, in that same gap and where men aren't standing up sometimes today, we take, we take fear. And Please know, I don't have any situation I'm thinking of specifically here at all. But I think this is something we need to be thinking about because the gaps are there. Because I get, comfort in my, get comfortable in my own home, and I'll confess that I don't step up and fill the gap like I should sometimes. Because it's just easier to sit there or not address the things that are going on. But, but today, the word men is kind of, you know, associated sometimes. You'll hear people that are feminist call men pigs and slobs. And, and it's become almost the butt of jokes being portrayed by leaders of people that want to destroy the biblical picture of manhood. You know, the people and the biblical men that I think about that I know in my lives are the men that I go to when I need protection or I need guidance or when I need taught something. And that's the picture I have of men, but they're trying to destroy that very publicly. And we need to stand in the gap of that. Well, you know, we need men like the men of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12.32 that understood the times and are willing to live their lives for the glory of God. You know, and I, I go on to say this, in some aspects, some of this is brought on by ourselves sometimes because you do get complacent. You know, it's easier to sit and watch TV sometimes than it is to sit and have dialogue with our children about what's going on in the world today. It's easier to put in a movie and let that time pass. But I'm telling you, our kids and our children are hearing that. It's easier sometimes to put on that movie instead of having a conversation with our wife and seeing what our needs are and what things are taking place in their life. We need to step into that gap. But you know, the other thing that the world has given us is this picture of manhood is things like You've got to be great at sports. In sports, I know we've said in previous lessons, I do know some of the things that we've talked about together, sports aren't evil themselves, but when they take a precedent, they are. If you're getting your identity from a sport versus being the husband and the father and the image bearer of God, then you've got your priorities out of line. You know, if you're worried about cars, if you're worried about climbing the ladder of success, 
you've got a gap in your life. Well, I'll tell you right now, the Spirit of God is as strong as it has ever been, and it's moving out there like it always has. But are we tuned into listening to it? You know, I, I know there are men of God being raised up all over this nation, and I hope that you guys are doing that here and that you're stepping up here because this word, this gospel, has all the hope and healing and reconciliation needed for mankind. For our homes, for churches, for businesses, for communities, everything to have a good life is right here in these pages. You know, when we think back on this, I was reading a book about the, the conflict in Zimbabwe from years back. And the women at that time, well, let me step back a little further thinking about this. At this time, there was a 14-year armed conflict in Rhodesia in Zimbabwe. And during this war, the men had to spend six weeks in the bush fighting, and then they'd go home for six weeks. But at that one time, they were sent out for a lengthy bit of time. And what was interesting is the ladies at that time in Zimbabwe were starting to be called Esthers because they were spending so much time praying about what was going on at that time for the men as they were gone. But when the men came back and the conflict was over and the men got back after that war, they kind of got complacent. And those Esthers now started praying that those men would be like Daniels instead of Esthers, standing in the gap and picking up what they were supposed to be doing. Well, there's a time for both those. We need the Esthers and we need the Daniels. And today, as we think about this, this talk is really about being the Daniels, of standing up to things. You know, God's raising up a new generation of Daniels who are going to impact this nation if we will stand in the gap. Well, today I want to urge you to do that. I want to urge you to step up into these topics that are hard and, and, and address them in ways that are biblical. You know, I've got, I've mentioned this before, but I have to, uh, I have to. I work at Lowe's two days a week, and that allows me dental insurance and vision and to put into retirement. But I'm actually starting to maybe see a time where I may not be able to do that anymore. Because there are things that they're starting to ask us to do as a corporation of identifying and going through self-identification training. And I'm not taking the training because I know who I am. I'm a male in the image of God. I'm not going to be a part of that. There's training on Pride Month and it's overdue, and I'm not going to do it. I know what God's word says about that. We have to step into the gap. I'm not going to do it in some brash way where I'm being argumentative to the store, but when someone asks or I have the opportunity and my manager comes and says, we've got to let you go because of this, I'll be able to let him know that this is because the word of God says this. And we will have a conversation about that. And maybe it will only impact him. But there are certain things we're going to have to stand in the gap like Daniel and not bow the knee to. And we may be called upon doing that 
as men, and I mean that as mankind right now, in this time that we live in. You know, if there's ever a time when God needed to turn the hearts of men away from their extracurricular activities, it's right now. Because we are in a crisis. Crisis. I always say that, and I like to add a T on the end of that word. I don't know why it's not spelled that way, but that's just the way I say it. But if we look at the horizon of what's going on, this is some of the things we're seeing. You know, homes are collapsing from within because husbands and wives aren't being what they should. Homes are collapsing from within because fathers aren't being what they should. Our schools are being plagued by violence. We see lots of shootings. We see poor grades. We see dropout rates. You know, we see what's being done in the schools. Young people are trying to navigate the seas of life while being taught about alternative lifestyles rather than seeking the heart of God. And unfortunately, there are scandals that ransack our communities and even our jobs and ourselves that take place that you would think that would never happen. But we have to remember who we're at war against in this. When we're being called to step into the gap, it's because we're being called to step in the gap against the father of lies, John 8, 44. Jesus said when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, some of the things that we need to step in the gap for and some of the lies that Satan's trying to put before the families are that there are no absolutes except for this statement. No, there are absolutes. There is no objective or universal acceptable truth. That's a, that's a big falsehood. Your truth may be different from my truth. That's one of the progressive statements that's being put out there. There are no marriage standards. I think we would have to, I think, hardly stand in that gap. Sexuality and gender identity is a choice. There is no right or wrong. These are just some of the lies Satan's putting, us, putting before us. Lying is justified. All religions are the same. The ends always justify the means if you can get away with it. Or, you are a fluke in the universe. Dust and wind came together to make us. These are just bold lies, but they're being put before our children, fathers and mothers. You know, one of the images I have here, and they're having trouble with this, but in Michigan, they have had a student identify as a cat. And the teacher has been told to let the student stay under her desk because she feels safe as a cat in the schoolroom. There's a gap there. <laughs> there is a gap there. Okay? We have to address these things. You know? We have to realize. I love to pretend. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll strap on fake six shooters and run around the backyard with Nerf guns and pretend all day long I'm a cowboy. But at the end of the day, I'm not. And that's just the truth of it. But nobody's standing up and saying, no, there is a truth to this. 
there are some absolutes. Well, think about Daniel. He was a teenager when his country collapsed from sin and moral decay. The Hebrews had turned away from the power of God to their own power and the assurance made to them for protection by, by the surrounding nations. And as a result of their turning away from God, they were taken captive. The conquering king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, takes Daniel to be trained, tutored, and fitted for service as an advisor in the foreign country. What made Daniel stand out? Run that scenario on our heads. Would we have done what Daniel did? His integrity and his character and his trust in God enabled him to rise above the many challenges confronted him. It was Daniel's underlying commitment to God that enabled him to resist the temptation to bow down the knee to the foreign gods. And that, view, and that gave his view of where his allegiance was in a foreign land. And that was opposed by those people. But Daniel stood up and he became second in command to Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Daniel repeated this performance under three different administrations, few of us will never gain the national stature of Daniel, but we can greatly learn from the components of his life that made him a useful tool in God's hand. My question would be to think about if Daniel was living here today in the midst of this postmodern type philosophy that's running rapid in the U.S., what would be some of his answers to those questions? And I think we can all say he would have sided with God. You know, we praise God for Daniel's commitment to the true king and his unflinching faith. And it, it was huge. You know, it was bigger than we can think about. Because I have to say, in, in this comfortable situation, I'd like to say I would stand like I should. And I'm ready to go home, so I think I would, actually. But in the moment, I don't know that I might not fail the temptation too. but Daniel stood firm multiple times and never compromised his commitment. You know, because of this, he stood out. Now, I've summarized some of this. I hope that it's flowed good because I want to switch just a little bit now to the second part of this lesson, and I'm not going to do all of it or else we'd probably be here for another 45 minutes, so I don't plan on doing that to you guys because you've been nice and attentive so far. But what made Daniel different? What makes people different that are willing to stand in the gap? And there's four character traits that I think will help us do this, and this is where, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm going to try to move through this some, but, but the first one is, and this is what I think is maybe one of the biggest building blocks necessary for us building a godly character into our lives as men and women of the Lord. And I would say it's repentance. You know, we oftentimes, when we get to the plan of salvation, we, you know, we're, we're easy to say, you know, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and remain faithful. But how often do we forget to repent of the daily things we do? And I'd like to maybe word it in this way, and this is why Daniel was so useful in the service of the Lord, 
It's not until we humble ourselves before God and confess with our mouths that we are not the makers of our own destiny, that we're not the captain of our own ships, and that we do not have all the answers, and that we are not a God ourselves. It is not until this happens that we can truly be used by God. And basically what that's saying is we have to get rid of every bit of ourself that gets in the way of being truly used by God. We need to recognize our own sin. And remember, it's horrible. You know, it's what sent Jesus to the cross. We must allow God's holiness to break us and keep breaking us so that we're always in a usable, ready, fit station to be ready to work for the Lord. And that comes by repenting and turning away from things that take us in a direction that's not godly. Well, men, if you're walking in all the wrong places, turn around and go the other way. You know, I'll tell you, I'm not always the husband I should be. I answer short with my wife or I get sidetracked and don't give her the attention needed or I don't pay attention to my kids the way I will. And, and I'm not perfect at it. So I'm not up here to say it. I can't use you all as examples. It's me that gets this wrong. But I have to keep realizing that so that I'll listen to the course correction that God gives me in his word so that I can be usable again. So character is repentance. Okay. Secondly, it's beliefs. We need to look at what we believe. And Ed Cole wrote this statement, and I think it's a good statement. Men without an organized system of thought will always be at the mercy of men who have one. All right, so let me read that again, because I had to chew on that several times when I read that. Men with an organized system of thought will always be at the mercy of the men who have, I'm sorry, without Without an organized, I knew I was reading that sentence wrong. I had to chew on it that time. Men without an organized system of thought will always be at the mercy of the men who have one. In today's time, and standing in the gap, we need and are in great need of men who know why and what they believe. We need to be thinking about these things before we're addressed with it. We need to understand that and why homosexuality is wrong. We need to understand why transgenderism is wrong. And be ready for it because our nation is dealing with it right now. If you have kids that go to anywhere that's public, they are dealing with it too. And we have to be ready to inform them again in a way in which it is age appropriate for them to understand it. You know, what's interesting, when you look at this and you think about this, Paul, who preached to the Bereans, it was said here, we need to be like the Bereans who listened to Paul preach, and then they went home to search the scriptures daily to see if Paul, what Paul was saying was true in Acts 17.11. You ever think about the, the full gravity of that statement? Paul was the, one of the apostles. Yet the Bereans still searched the scriptures to compare what he was saying. Well, that goes on to lead into this statement. Anything I say, question, 
Don't take anything from anyone just because, oh, he's a Christian. Oh, he's down preaching. No, examine it. Chew on it. Think on it. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not wanting to lead you astray in any way. I'm not trying to plant that seed. I'm just saying that we need to compare how we think and what we do to what the scriptures truly say. You know, they desired that the word of God would shape their lives and they weren't going to allow anything that would contradict God's word to slip in and take root. So they poured over the scriptures and we must do the same. We have to make sure we're standing in the gap and not letting that come in. Because today's philosophy of men will come in. We'll get pulled into immorality and apathy in such a way that it so quickly happens that we won't realize that we're a part of it. And again, referencing Daniel, he wouldn't have had a part of that. Well, in short, too, strength. When I say this, you may be thinking about muscles and biceps and triceps and, and you know, the, the ultra-strong guys, but I'm not talking about that. The strength I'm talking about is the ideal of moral fiber developed by walking with God day after day. It's the ideal of knowing his word and being in it so much that it becomes such a part of us that when bad things come to us, we don't even feel it. It's almost like the blacksmith that takes and he makes swords and weapons all day long. And when he picks up something hot that would make us drop it, he doesn't even feel it. He's worked in it so much that he has developed a resistance, which is good in this case, to it. Well, we need to have that kind of strength in God's word. We need to be like the Bruins, pouring through it daily, getting so strong in it that when one of these topics comes up about moral issues, we don't even realize it because we know our answer. We know what God said about it. You know, it's the ideal of uh, when I was with the post office several years back, they sent me to school because we would handle thousands upon thousands of dollars a day. And I had to go through, um, you know, uh, fake money training. Um, and we had to look. And you know what? They didn't parade false dollar bills in front of us all day long. They gave us the real dollar bill and said, study this. And you'd study that dollar bill, or in this case, usually it was hundreds because they were, you know, trying to launder money through the post office. But you would study that $100 bill so much that it wasn't that you knew what all the fake ones were, it was that you knew what the real one looked like and anything else looked wrong. That needs to be the scriptures in us. We need to know it so well that anything else that comes up to us looks wrong when it's wrong. That would be strength. You know, it's I, I played football in high school, and I had the opportunity to... Um, play against several people that went on that were big names in, in college football. Um, and I played with some guys that, you know, you might think they were part of Mount Rushmore. They were so big. And they were just monsters. But on the field, they were the, the strong guys, but you take them out of that situation, I'm telling you, they crumbled when it came to strength of character. They would be the ones that would do the things that we would not want our kids doing. So don't get the big head about strength being physical. It needs to be constant 
repetitive moral fiber developed by walking day after day with God. All right, and then the last one, and hopefully I'm not going too long. I appreciate your patience. I haven't seen anyone nod off so far, so thank you. Um, the fourth area is fellowship. You know, iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17 says. So another man sharpens another man. We need fellowship of other men and women in the kingdom to have the characteristics of these people that will stand in the gap. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know this, so I'm not. If you're doing this already, great. If you're not, chew on it, okay? It's one of those type things. But I think this is one of the most opportunic, opportunistic, I, I made that word up, I think, but opportunistic aspects of what's happening in the church today is we have so much time with others that aren't people of faith that we don't know each other the way we should. We'll spend more time with coworkers and neighbors and just people in the community because of different clubs or different things than we do with each other. And I don't know that's the case. I, I have no pre-thought of any of that. But I think if you look at it, you might, might, might consider some of these things. And, you know, I, I yearn for times, and we're, we're working on something up at Lake Street right now. And I, I urge you guys, if you aren't, but, you know, I, I've been places, and I know, know different groups, and, again, each group is local, so please, this doesn't, one, one size doesn't fit all, but the concept is needed no matter what. But I, I know of one group of men that have been studying for over 20 years every Tuesday morning. They don't all make it every time. They don't all do it. But it doesn't matter if you're a member of that area, you know that someone will be sitting at that diner on Tuesday morning at 7.30, ordering their coffee, waiting for people to show up so that they can study together. We need those times together. I know of a group that just meet on a Monday morning every morning. There's several that are retired, and they get together and they pray for the needs of people every Monday morning. And I know of another group that meets at Chick-fil-A every Monday morning. We need fellowship one with another beyond the scriptural times of meeting. We need time with one another. We need to come to realize that we desperately need our brothers. We need one another to strengthen. And sometimes it's, it's kind of the old adage, if you've ever watched firemen or ever went by a scene of a fire when they're trying to put a fire out. There usually be two men on the end of the nozzle. And the one guy is really in control of everything. And that second guy is standing back there like this with his shoulder in behind the other one just giving him support. He's not aiming the hose. He's not doing anything else. But he is there solely to support the nozzle man. I don't know if you're the nozzle man or if you're the support guy here, but find someone here and be that for him. Find ways to grow in fellowship. Because there's going to be times where we have to, we need the prayers of each other 
And we may not feel comfortable mentioning it in this public of a way. But if you're not meeting outside of here, you'll never know about it. You know, it's times when myself and another guy are riding down the road doing something together or moving something or doing something for someone that we get to know that I might be struggling about something or that he's struggling with his job because of time and necessity of it. I'm telling you, you don't get that time three times a week on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesdays to fix that. Men, this is the last call of this. You know, in the beginning, God has placed within the hearts and hands and souls of men incredible power. Power to shape the hearts of our children, power to bless our wives, and power to strengthen the local church here but we have to be together. We have to have, you know, we have to have these things, these characteristics to glorify God in an unbelieving world because they will go completely against us. And we need that nozzle guy standing support behind the one that's in the front. Well, you guys have been very patient tonight. And I know that was a combination of two things, but I, it has to go together if it's going to be, you know, I don't know when the next time I'll be back down here. So I wanted to, you to hear it all together because we need to be standing in the gap. It's crucial right now. You know, the world is gaining people by activities and things, but people go and come to those. But if we stand in the gap and we give them the truth and the hope of a home in heaven, with the Lord someday, that will be something that's permanent. But we need to be standing in the gap and building one another up and strengthening one another and encouraging one another and praying for one another and spending time with one another, showing preference. And that's what I encourage you. And again, I hope you're doing all those things and you go, hey, that was a nice reminder. But if not, work on it because it's necessary. It's important to, to making it to heaven. You know, think about it. When, when Jesus sent out the, the disciples the first time in Mark to kind of be their trial run, he sent them out in twos. You know, we see, you know, two are good, but three are strong. There's concepts in this that just are exactly what we need to be. So as the church, we need to be tied together. Don't stand alone. Find someone in here and strengthen them encourage them and build them up and support them from behind or trade out and take that lead and let them support you but know someone that can do that for you so that the true gap standing that we need to be doing as the church will take place and we will shine as a light and that will draw people it will grow so thank you for your patience we're going to sing the song uh, here I think I am the way is an invitation song, and that's a chance for anybody that's here that hasn't obeyed the gospel before to start their path of life with God. And what we have to do is if someone would be willing enough to step out tonight and come forward and say that they believe Jesus is Lord, and they repent and they confess, and they get washed in this watery grave of baptism, they know that someone's going to be standing right behind them ready to support them. Or if someone's courageous enough to say, you know what, I'm struggling tonight. 
And I need my brothers and sisters here to know. They're ready. Don't let the ideal of being embarrassed about something you're struggling with hold you back from having what truly has power, and that's prayer. Come forward if we can help in any way.